Welcome to the GM Hockey Podcast. My name is Tony Gelski. It is late. Really late. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> um, different kind of a podcast today. I'm joined by Andy. Andy, how's it going? As always. Yeah, I'm here. I'm tired. Let's do it. Uh, uh, it was a late, late game. Late game, disappointing game. Um, you know, it, Carlton actually figured out how to use the timeouts this time, so that's that was positive. Um, the the challenge was huge at the end to even give us a chance to stage a comeback, but the Hawks just lost four to three. Uh, Patrick Kane, you know, what can you say about him? I mean, he, he came to play tonight. Um, you know, to bring it finally defensively. Going back to Kane, defensively, it looked uh, pretty good. Broke up a few plays on back checks, uh, especially early in the game. Late in the game, he was kind of just floating because they're down a goal. I mean, that's that's who you want floating anyway. <laughs> right, and, you know, I, I – the – Kane scoring the goal. You had, you had the, the big guns showed up today. You had Kane with the goal, the Brinkett with the goal, and is, Jonathan Taves with the goal. Which is going to sound weird because we recorded the other hour of the, or hour and a half of this podcast before this. Uh, and we were talking about how the big guns needed to show up. <laughs> and they did. It was just the, the defensive woes of this team are just too much to overcome. Um, you know, Volquist didn't look great that that fourth goal was a tough bounce he did everything right on that he he kept him outside of the, he kept him to the outside tuck drove uh drove the net Corey makes a save it goes off Volquist skating into the back of the net that's a tough break um that's a, that's a tough way to lose the game um but uh, also there was the goal uh at the end of or no it might have been the start of the second where, where Taves is trying to block it, but I mean, you're you're taught don't just throw your stick at it. You're gonna tip it, and that's exactly what he did. He tipped it, and it went to Pacioretty. And I mean, if he just lets the shot go through, Crawford's got a clear lane at it. Don't don't wave your stick at pucks. I mean, that's you don't do that. And I know I know Eddie in the broadcast was saying like, oh, he, you know, he's trying to do the right thing. Yeah, but you don't. You don't wave your stick at a puck like that. You you get in front of it, or you let you let your goalie see it, and uh, that just, I mean, that's that's a break that, I mean that that tied the game up early in the second. So it's another problem uh, that you know it it it's not gonna it it got noticed as a positive, but it's you don't do that. You don't wave your stick at shots like that. Yeah, and it's it's disappointing. It really is in the, in the sense of, um, you know, I, I think the Hawks played relatively well to start this game. They came out flying like they needed to and potted two quick goals. The backbreaker was letting that, that goal with 31 seconds to go in the first period. Um, you could have had him on the ropes. The complexity for, of the game changed after that. And you gave Vegas life, and then you gave Vegas life again when you let them score a minute into the second period. And then again um, a minute into the third period. 
So it, it's one of those things where the start's got to be better. Um, you know, I, I, it, I think a lot of this comes down to coaching, to be honest, from what I saw. I don't agree with everything that Mark Lazarus said, but having fucking John Quinville on the fucking ice with two minutes and 40 seconds to go in an elimination game is unbelievably stupid. I don't well, care. What about coming out of a TV timeout with your fourth line and, and Mata and Cuckoo? It's just because it Vegas throws out their fourth line doesn't mean you. <laughs> you have to. Like, it doesn't yeah. make any sense. Like, you're down a goal. It doesn't. You have to play. You have to shorten up your bench. Yeah, I don't 10 know, minutes you... left in the game. The bench gets short. I mean, that's just what has to happen. These are pros. This isn't li- like this isn't fucking, you know, house league or shit like that. This is the NHL. Right. You, you you pay your stars big money to be out there to score big goals. They get the lion's share of the ice with 10 minutes left in the game. Uh, that John they, it wasn't going to be had, a back-to-back. You you put Kane out there for eight of those minutes if you have to. Yeah, John Quinville had 13 minutes of and 49 seconds of ice time. And hey, look, he was good. I thought I, I didn't like the decision for him to play, but you're you're lying if you don't think he was a, a positive influence on the game he he was physical uh should he have been on the first line probably not but he you know i don't think he did anything wrong i think he had a good game does he get does he get a shift two minutes left in the game no no his ass rides the pine the last 10 minutes of the game i don't care how well he played right the in all honesty the only guys you're playing the last 10 minutes of the game are Doc, Kane, Kajula, Saad, Tave, Strom, Drabinkit, Kubalik. You know, those eight guys should be on the ice. And if you need an off defensive zone faceoff, you throw you throw and give Taves a rest or Strom a rest. You throw Kampf, you you throw David Camp on the on the ice. He won seventy three percent of his faceoffs tonight. And so you know I what? mean, I, like, I I wouldn't mind him playing if you if you want to shorten it to nine, give Camp some time. Honestly, I didn't think or Strom it, had a bad game either. To be fair, no, he didn't. But no, he didn't. But I, I would give it to Highmore. I, Highmore's earned it the way he's played these past. Few I games. wouldn't go that far. So I mean, by that lo- by that logic, then John Hayden earned it because he was better than every player on that fourth line today. Uh, John Hayden, not John Hayden. Uh, John <laughs> Quinto, <laughs> the guy, the guy we got for Hayden. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, he, he, was, like, he was a top nine forward today. I mean, I still don't put him out there. But right. He, he Bolquist, was good. Bolquist, we were – he had 10 minutes and 55 seconds of ice time. And he was um, and he was a detriment today, it, which is going to sound bad because literally – and if somebody's listening to this end to end, an hour later we're talking about how he wasn't that bad. Uh, you don't sit him. He needs that, that – uh, that experience. Oh no, he was terrible today. <laughs> he was awful. Yeah, he needs a. He was a minus one, two penalty minutes. They scored on the goal and the penalty that he took. It was a bad um, penalty. The goal and uh, his minus one was terrible. He got absolutely destroyed on the outside. Absolutely walked by him. I would. I wouldn't say that. I, it yeah, was I would. It bounds. Oh, I it was unfortunate. Corey makes a save. It goes off a skate. Uh, it, it's, it's an unfortunate bounce that it went in, but he got beat to the outside. 
you don't get you don't get walked that easily. You can't. He needs to and, and it, it's because for sure. It's because he was cheating to the offensive end as the last guy back, and turnover, and he's out of position. Yeah, and it was, it was terrible. So, yeah, yeah, you know, it's unfortunate. I, it goes in. It goes in off a skate. It's still on him. You don't right. You're you're a, you're a pro defenseman. I know you're a rookie, but there's if there's one thing you got to do, it's not get BT outside. If he if he absolutely dances around you and, and cuts to the middle, that's probably a better outcome than just just looking like you don't exist. He he yeah. he got beat to the outside. Uh, and it, w- it was an easy, easy looking goal. And again, goes off his skate. Doesn't matter. He's got to be better. Um, especially, especially, I mean, going into next year, him and, and Mitchell are going to be a big part of the blue line. They have to be. It's out of necessity. And uh, he's got to be ready for that challenge. And, uh, you know, you look at what Keith and apparently Doc were doing during this five-month break. You know, Doc probably put on five pounds. He looked more confident. He looked more aware. I thought he played well again. He had a two-on-one he definitely should have shot on. But nonetheless, he, he, he was good. And he was good all series, you know. Uh, why? I wonder what Boquist was doing because he didn't. He needed to be doing the same thing Doc and Keith were doing and, and preparing for this, especially after knowing we're the last team in. We're going to get the short end of the stick literally every round we move on. Yeah, and I, I think it's to the point where you know. I honest to God, the defense, not the team defense as a whole, was horrendous. But the if you single out individual plays when it's just individual, you know it's not involved in a system like a system breakdown. Um, I didn't I didn't mind a lot of the defensemen's play. I really didn't. You know it, they but I. It's a system problem. It's well, a, it's all it's, it's it's also. I mean, they looked fine, but when all is said and done, they're outclassed by their competition. Right, and I, it's you know, and again, I think it's because you watch the Hawks play. It, you know, in the offensive zone, they still kind of look like the old Blackhawks, not that not as you know as fast or anything like that but they still have that creativity flow in the offensive zone and the defense. And they never looked that way in the defensive zone. The defensive zone under Quinville was extremely structured. You had to do this. You had to do that. And in this, the man on man system that Jeremy Colleton insists on running, it doesn't work. I have, I never understood why it's not basketball dude, where you can, where you can like, you know, just let somebody take a shot from the outside because it's low probability and pray to God that you guys can clear it. Like it's weird. Hockey is a game of weird bounces. So any kind of shots can go in. So I don't like the, the man on man zone. Like I remember sitting close to the ice and you don't notice it that much when you're sitting in the 300 level, you notice the flow and the play and stuff like that. 
But like when you're closer and you see who is who better than you can at a 300 level, like when I was sitting down there, I'm like, I watched the Slater Kluku follow somebody out to the neutral zone while the puck was in the hog's end. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening here? Why is, why is he in the neutral zone? Why he's a defenseman. That's not how hockey works. Hockey works by the forwards picking up the guy and switching off and you switch off guys. It's a constant. You're not a communication thing. Yeah. It's not, it's, it's, it's all based on communication. And when you say like, Oh, you pick up your man, like, you know how easy it is? So like, what are you doing? Like, I don't know this man at man system. Like, do I get the right winger? Then do I have to think about who's the right winger on the ice at that point? At that time, like this isn't J- JV hockey where the right winger stays on the right side. Like it's not that way. I don't understand. The, I don't understand the systems and, and it's extremely frustrating well, to watch. I, I thought when they would, when they fired Quinville, the smartest thing you could have done is bring someone outside of the organization in. You you move somebody up, it's the same system. It's gonna be the same thing. And they talk about how different it is. Yeah, it's worse because <laughs> you 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 fired a Hall of Famer, and we both agreed at the time it was the right move. Uh, he grew stale. And you replace him with a guy who's younger than a few guys on the team, and he's got like some dog shit system. And it's right, it's that- basically a worse version of what Quinville was running uh, at the time of his fire. Because I mean, they're they were working together. I mean, I just right. Why, like, why you- wouldn't you hire out of the organization and give a legitimate, fresh look? For guys like Kane and Taves, especially now. Okay, season's over. It's going to be a shortened off season. We don't we don't know like what the start of the season's going to look like. It it's going to be weird. Probably it's probably not going to be in full stadiums. It might still be a bubble. Who knows? So you already know it's going to be kind of different. Let's get a new coach in. Let's let's not do the same thing over and over. It, we said this in the last the first part of this this podcast if washington washington didn't get swept but they're going to lose in the first round if you're the capitals you're not bringing back the same coaching you're not bringing back the same roster cuz why would you do the same mistake you did the first time like it's it's a mis- if you fail fix it don't bring back the same bullshit and expect a different result and uh, right if the Hawks are coming back with the same team with a few minor changes and they're coming in expecting some of these rookies to make big contributions right away. And some might, we, we expect someone like Ian Mitchell to, but for the most part, if you're expecting these kids to come in and make the big difference under, under Colleton, get ready for another losing season. Let's get a coach right. in here. That's good with kids that's focused on a more defensively structured game. Let's revamp the D and let's find a goalie. Like, like we had Leonard. Let's find a goalie who, if he doesn't replace Crawford next year, we have to start thinking of a replacement for Crawford. Right. Also, is Crawford even coming back? Right. I mean, you know, I, I, 
Look, you got to be I'm, active at the draft. You need more first. You might want to move up, and then you got to be active in in trades. Guys like Saad, guys like Mata, need to they probably need to be moved. Uh, and then you got to look into free agency and see what complementary pieces you could get. Somebody who could come in and, and help on the the back end and maybe like a, a stable bottom pairing role who could help Keith in mentoring a lot of these kids. And maybe like a middle six forward who could help guys who could come in like Kirishev, Barrett, all these guys we've been talking about for weeks. Um, and, you know, you might not have necessarily a winning season. Or you, you'll probably have a winning season, but you might not be a playoff team, if anything, a bubble team. But you're going you're gonna to get these kids the actual experience they need. They need a more structured more experienced coach and they need veterans that aren't just Kane and Taves and Keith. Like I, I'm sure you could learn a lot from them, but when it's Kane Taves, Keith and 17 kids or, or, you know, Slater cuckoos of the world, it's, it's just not going to work. No, we have a lot of, uh, with the exception of Calvin DeHaan, like literally three of our defensemen, are our throwaway defensemen that well, other on. teams or two of them. I'm sorry. Two of them. Oli Mata was a guy that Pittsburgh desperately wanted to get rid of. And Slater Cuckoo was a guy that failed in Tampa Bay. Um, I was going to say Connor Murphy might've been one of the best players on the ice tonight. <laughs> oh, he's been a Ram of past Dylan Strom to Dylan Strom to he broke. I'm more impressed with his defensive end. He broke up. I think I counted Five odd man breaks. Him and a couple guys, sometimes three. So he was he was good. I don't know what his future is. I mean, we have so many young D coming in. Uh, but Connor Murphy's a young D. He's 25. And, uh, you know, that was his first playoffs. And he looked pretty good. I don't know. I don't know who you move, but you, you need to make room for Mitchell. And then probably Wait, Dylan Strom looked pretty good. No, Connor Murphy. Oh yeah, that was his first playoffs. Yes. And Sorry, he, I got confused. And he looked. He, I thought he looked good. I especially, I thought he was. I thought he might have been the best D tonight. I mean, Keith probably always has something to say about that, but and I could just be surprised how well Connor Murphy played. But he played. I mean, he did everything right. Yeah, I mean, he had three points, was a minus one. I don't think that necessarily. Um, uh, he, he he could have easily been a minus four if he didn't make some of the plays he made today. Yeah, and I think I think it's it's definitely, um, you know, he he's he he's a very serviceable defenseman. Um, and he's signed for a couple more years, I think, or maybe just one more year. Um, yeah. but, uh, because I know we have a log jam at defenseman defenseman now next year, because, uh, Brent Seabrook would like to play. So, um, but no one wants Brent Seabrook. To play. <laughs> no, but, um, I think we both though agree that you can't come back with the same roster next year. Got to make room for some kids. And you need a seasoned veteran who's not just 
Like, like Brent Seabrook's a seasoned veteran, but he's a detriment. You need a guy who could come in here, eat eat up 13 minutes effectively while mentoring some of the bottom six, like the bottom pairing guys, like that that kid we just signed out of, out of uh, college who was a Philly prospect. He's not projected to be a stud, but you know he needs somebody to come in there and teach him how to how to be a role player. Uh, Alec Regula, another guy who you know he could he could find himself fighting for a roster spot within the next couple of years. He's going to need somebody to mentor him in a bottom six role. And then uh, up front, you got a guy like Keith or, or Dehan, who who could mentor people like who uh, Ian Mitchell, Bodan, uh, Carlson, Boquist, because uh, I mean that's your future. And, and you're gonna start seeing some of these guys get moved. And like I said, I think at the draft, I, I think a lot of guys need to be on the table, and the Hawks start, need to be looking for some some extra picks, some extra prospects, whatever they can get. You know, Brandon Saad, he didn't put up a ton of points, but I thought he looked effective uh, for a good chunk of the games, especially in the Edmonton series, but e- even in in the Vegas series. You know, people were lumping him in with Taves, not putting up the points, but I thought he looked more effective than Taves did. Obviously, Mata had a good playoffs. You know, I tried trading him before buying him out. Maybe one of Dehan or Murphy needs to be moved. I, I don't know, but you can't come with the same group and you need to get some assets and, and, and start trying to do like a quick rebuild. Like the Rangers, I look at the Rangers as what I want the Hawks to do. They, I mean... They're not far removed from conference final Stanley Cup appearances. And, I mean, they've got a ton of young pieces. Uh, They're going to be good very soon. I want want the Hawks to do a turnaround that quick. Right. Uh, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what the Hawks do because, I mean, they might be the Zach Smith, they might look to move with this $3.2 million in cast days. That's going to be here. <laughs> that's going to be a tough, that's a tough. Sell I don't, I don't know if anybody. You, can't. I, you might have to just eat his contract in terms of just having him on the roster. Sometimes you just can't year left. Yeah. I wouldn't buy him out because his buyout his is buyout, what, 1.25 for two years. It's 1.08 three for two years um yeah. so if you bought out him and olimata you'd essentially be saving um 2.25 and then 3.5 so about six million about- cap space if you bought them both out yeah but with their with their buyout i think it's more like four and a half no if you his cap it is one million dollars Zach Smith makes three point two. So okay, if you buy so him out, two point five, and then how much is Mata making? Two point two. Oli Mata's making four. So two point two, oh. and then Oli Mata's is six hundred thousand. So you'd be saving two point two plus three point four. So just over five just million over five. in cap savings. So like what? That might I be something you do. I just don't know if I'd buy out Zach Smith. I don't know. It's going to be, I think you're going to see a lot of that, dude, this, this off season. You, th- you think you're going to see a lot of Hawks, buyouts? Uh, yeah. I think you're going to see a hell of a lot of buyouts. Though, everybody, wide? Yeah. Cause I mean, you have, 
the average cap space right now as it stands for 2021 out of the upper limit. The team that has the most cap space this season is New Jersey Devils. So it's one of those things where (laughs) – What what do New – it, with with that cap space, New Jersey could be kind of wheeling and dealing one of the, one of those wheeling and dealing teams. Although I'm sure they'd love to rid themselves of Subban's contract. I'm sure they would. The and no one's taken that Devils, right now, so they're kind of stuck with him. Yeah, the Devils next year have 25 million dollars in cap space. Um, what do they? So, they need everything. Like what is that? I don't want if you're looking to get trade with them because honestly, I mean, they have, they have the upper hand on every team. We have cap space. We'll take your players, but it's going to cost you. Even if it's a player they're going to use, it's still going to cost you because they know that the most, there's nothing more valuable than the cap space these next two years. Like you're starting to, starting to kind of get away from that. Teams were able to, to make moves, it's like we'll take on extra cap space. You know, the cap space isn't quite as valuable because the cap was going up. That's changing. It's going back to kind of what you were seeing in in you know 2005 through 2013. Yeah, where teams are having to make really really calculated moves because, um, like, you know, I'm just looking at the Colorado Avalanche. They have 22. 22 million in cap space, but they also have to resign Burakovsky, Nemestikov, Nieto. They're going to let some of those guys walk. Nishitskin, Kamenev, Zadorov, Barbero, Kanaten, and Ryan Graves. So they have a lot of guys they have to resign. They're going to let some guys go, but they have a I lot think, of guys that they have I to I think re-sign. Colorado, though, has so many what I would call blue chip prospects that. I mean, you might be surprised how many they do let walk. It's, uh, I think it's going to be very interesting. I also, but I, I think Colorado is going to save that cap space for guys like Makar. They'll probably sign Adam Graves and Burkowski out of those, maybe Nachushkin. Uh, but I don't think the, the late, the latter two are going to make that much. I, th- I think you're going to see like Nichushkin and, and Burkowski probably get two mil, maybe each. And then Graves is kind of up in the air. He's, you know, they might sign him to a bridge contract. And all of a sudden, Colorado Avalanche now have $18 million in cap space. $16 right. million. I, so. I think there's, there's a lot of teams this year that are going to be, um, I think, like, just at the amount of cap space and how how many other teams have to make moves to get under the cap and feel the team, I think you're going to see this next year. It's going to be a dogfight for all 82 games of the year because uh, I think you're going to see a very a leveling out of the playing field. I really do because uh, like Detroit even dude has they have forty thirty six million dollars in cap space left for the for next year. They can take on a couple big contracts. And I, get, just, um, I just see some guys because the 2021 draft, they got that that Finnish kid who's supposed to be real good. A team like Detroit may take on bad contracts and grab some first round picks and hopes to, you know, they got screwed out of two draft lotteries. They can't get screwed again, right? Right. Detroit's got uh, six picks in the first three rounds this year. So. 
Um, I I think you're going to see some some teams like the Rangers uh, taking the next step. You, you know, depending on the Hawks rookies, they might take a step. Um, and, and and I think that like positions four through twelve are going to be more contested than ever before. They were already all they were always already contested. Uh, but you're going to see a, a bigger fight for there for those positions. But I think for the next couple years, the teams that manage their cap the best before going into the pandemic are going to kind of pull away from the pack a lot more for the next couple of years. The Colorado, Colorado, we, I mean, we always talked about in every episode how good they're going to be. I think right. the fact that they've managed their cap so well, they're going to just, you might see, that might be how you see a modern day dynasty is a team like Colorado. Just, they had money going into essentially an unpredictable problem. And all these other teams are going to have to sell out low on assets, buy out assets. And, 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 you know, if prospects don't pan out properly and most won't, it's, it's going to be a problem for a lot of teams. Whereas Colorado They've got already pros- a prospect pool anyone would be envious of, but they have a Stanley Cup contending team. <laughs> so it's, I don't know. I like a team like Colorado is going to go far. Vegas is probably in a pretty good spot. Uh, Tampa, you know, they, they were, it was easy for them to manage the cap because of the, their tax situation in Florida. They're going to be good. Uh, you know, the Capitals, we talked about later in this episode, they might. You know, they're going to make, they're going to have to make some tweaks, but their cap situation's pretty solid. So, I mean, those are four teams I'm looking at two in the East, two in the West that are probably going to fare better than most other teams. Yeah, I agree. Let's, let's end it there. I think we've taken too enough of these people's times. Well, now um, we're going to end this and then you're going to hear the next thing you hear is our beautiful voices again. Right, so we—I uh, don't know how to end this segment, but just uh, hang on because it's just going to be us again. And we're back. Not really, though. We're just this is earlier in the day, so <laughs> we're filming this, is... this before everything you just heard. Yes. So, because you wanted to get a, a a real reaction to Game Five um, for tonight, and. Um, so, because as of we stand right now, um, some of these series, Andy, are are def- are on the brink of being over tomorrow. Um, you know, it's well, I'm today. What is I your? Mean, other than the oh, Hawks, it's... which we'll know more about, we'll have already talked about at this point. As we're recording this part, the Capitals are probably going to be starting soon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I think, you know, the the Capitals start at 7 p.m. tonight, so I got a little bit. Oh, I always a couple hours for Dallas as we record right now is up one nothing, uh, and the series is tied two to two against Calgary. Let's start off with that series because I think that series is uh has been. I mean, me and you both I think predicted uh, Calgary. that Calgary was going to win, and I still think that's the case. Well, they're losing right now, and if they lose today, their Dallas is up three two. So it's as we're recording this part of it, 
it's one nothing towards the end of the first Dallas. Now that could change in a heartbeat from what we saw in the Boston game yesterday. Yes. And you know, I think that's one thing that's def it's been an interesting series. I Bishop hasn't played a lot and um uh you know, it, it, Bishop hasn't played a lot and I would think that Calgary would be able to get to Kudobin a little bit easier than Ben Bishop, but that hasn't really been the case. And I'd like to see more out of Calgary's top guys. Um, it, it's been a relatively, you know, it's been a relatively, uh, Sam Bennett's got five goals. Sean Monahan's got six assists. Yeah, I'd like to see more out of uh, Johnny Goudreau. Um, and, I mean, and just, you know, a, a lot of guys. It's it's been a rather mundane series for Calgary, which is a an offensive team. You don't you don't think of defense as much when you think of Calgary. You think of, you know, they had five guys with seventy plus points a year ago. I mean, that's the kind of team you're expecting to come out during the playoffs and that's not even remotely close to the case. Right. And um, speaking of things changing in a blink of an eye, it's one to one now. Hey, so who scored? Uh, Is it Goudreau? You just, you just shat on him. I mean, it, it, would be ap- it would be apropos. No, it's a uh, Michael Backlund scored for the flames. His fourth goal of the playoffs. So that's a guy that's been stepping up um well, the qualifying I mean, rounds. Yeah. And and uh and now. Um and you know, I haven't actually really minded uh Milan Lucic's game. Um, yeah, he, he's kind of been a guy shocking uh a little bit. He's playing so well. Yeah, he's he's a guy that I think um could be I mean, if his if he can get his offensive uh, juices flowing, he could be something. <laughs> so, but yeah, you know, he's got he's so far in this in this playoffs, he does have six points. So, yeah. um, it's it's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, oh, you got a notification? I did. Um, so how unprofessional. Oh I know this is all my phone. This is a professional production. <laughs> um, so you know, I'm putting it on do not disturb. Um, so you know, I think he's been a guy that has been surprising to start off. Maybe that's you know, there's been a couple guys that have been surprising, and I and it's mainly a lot of these older guys. And I'm curious as if the the five months off really didn't do them some good like you know what i mean like it did him like you know milan lucic is like you know the stereotypical guy who'd play through any kind of injury so i'm curious if the 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 five months off really helped him uh get his body right and ready for for playoffs so and he he's just a playoff player i mean Looking at his career playoff stats, he's got 29 goals, 47 assists for 76 points at 122 playoff games. So, 
he's a guy that shows up um, when his team needs him to in the playoffs. So, you know, this season wasn't good for him. He had 20 points in 68 games and was a minus six. So there wasn't a whole lot going on for Lucic. I, I mean, Edmonton at one point definitely had won the the James Neal, Neal Lucic trade. Um, but then James Neal kind of went away um, for a little bit. So uh, Calgary's still playing too. So I guess you could probably – maybe chalked it up to to a, a Flames win. But, you know, I just think that we're, we're at a point where Dallas and Calgary is kind of boring, but I still think Calgary can pull it off. I, uh, I think they can too. I think Calgary's got the firepower. It's gonna come alive eventually. You're gonna, you're gonna get Goudreau on on the board more consistently, but it's gotta happen now. I mean, there it's it's two to two, tied one to one in game five. I think the winner of this game is is probably gonna close it out in game six. That's my hunch, and I think it's going to be Calgary. Um, shocking that uh, Dallas got the first goal. They tend to be playing down 90% of their games, going all the way back to the round robin for them. Damn it, Tony, with your notifications. Uh, also, oh. sorry, I distracted myself. <laughs> um, also, I think that... Uh, I, I don't know. I look at Dallas and the, the door's closing. Uh, you're looking at this playoff run, how they got into the round robin. I, I, I don't know. Uh, they're just so they're an aging core. You got Tyler Sagan in his prime, Jamie Ben outside of his prime, Alex Radulov's outside of his prime, Pavelski, uh, Corey Perry. Um, on the back end, you got Klingberg, He's he's still within his core. You got a young Haskinen, uh, but I you know I don't know how how far is Klingberg Haskinen and a few more years of prime Tyler Sagan going to take this team? How far are they going to go beyond this year? Sort of it, it sort of seems like a last hurrah maybe for them, and you know maybe we got it wrong predicting Calgary. Uh, maybe just the will and the knowledge that this is an aging core might be what, what moves them on. And, you know, I, I'm probably selling guys like Rupe Hints a little short. Um, there's another young guy, God, name starts with a G. It's on the tip of my tongue. Can't think of it. Uh, they got a couple young pieces, but it's not Tyler Sagan. It's not Jamie Ben. So I don't know, uh, you know. I still think it's Calgary. I think they win today and they close it out in game six. I just, I don't get excited for Dallas's roster, but you know, you look at those 2010 Hawks, they knew that roster was going to blow up at the end of the year. There was no way they'd keep that team together. Uh, And I think that played a role in helping them win. And I think that could happen with Dallas too. So I don't know. I think today is an important day for them, for both of those teams. Uh, It's tied one-to-one. 
I'm not watching it. I'm assuming you might have it on in front of you. I don't know like how close it's been, but the, I think, like I said, the winner of today is is going to be the winner of the series. That's my hunch. Um, yeah, I don't got much else to say about that. Uh, this hasn't been one of the more exciting series for me. Um, I've, I, you know, I've been. I've been all over the place lately, so I have to pick and choose the series uh, I get more invested in. And as I've already mentioned, Dallas's aging roster doesn't excite me. And also they're playing at 4.30 and I get off at 5, so it's already kind of at a bad time. Uh, I, you know, just stuff like that has prevented me from being truly invested in this series. Um, So... I, I don't know. I, I, I'm hoping it's Calgary moves on and we get a uh, more exciting matchup for them in the next round. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I agree with pretty much everything you said. Then another interesting series is also the, uh, um, just to move on the, the St. Louis blues versus the Vancouver Canucks. The Canucks do not look like the Canucks that were played in games one and two, they look no, like that's a series totally I have been different. watching. <laughs> and you know, that's, it's a good series, but like maybe the Canucks can rebound. But at one point I would, I thought, you know, the way Vancouver played in games one and two, like, Oh shit, this is going to be over fast. And then St. Louis kind of figured their shit out. Um, they also went to Jake Allen instead of Jordan Bennington and goal which I think maybe just the, the change in, in pace for goalies might have switched it up a little bit. But, you know, I, I just think that St. Louis winning um, St. Louis winning is going to be an interesting um, – I think St. Louis is probably going to win this series. I think the inexperience for the Vancouver is – You think so? Is, yeah, I think that just the – You, you think St. Tell. Louis is going to come back and win – Four out of uh, four out of uh, five. I don't know. I I think you're gonna have you're gonna see a young the team series rebound. Is two to two. What's up? So the series is two to two. So yeah. So I mean, it's it, that doesn't stop it from being St. Louis has to win four or five. It, it, that's much more rare than uh, it may seem. So I I think. I mean, I don't know. It, I, they started Jake Allen last game. Is he going to start next game? Is Jake Allen really going to be the answer? I I think Vancouver, you see a lot of similarities, again, with the Hawks and their young core in the early 2010s. You know, the, the the Hawks had their stumbling blocks as well, especially in the first round with Nashville, and they found a way around it. Uh, even 20, uh, 2009, you know, they match up against uh, an experienced Vancouver, an experienced Calgary, and they beat both of those teams. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if Vancouver wins. Now, that could be my bias talking. I hate the Blues, and we all know it. But the between the rarity of coming back from 2-0 down like it's not it's not as rare as 3-1 or 3-0 but that's not something you see every day that's that's a t- pretty tough thing to do and then mix that with 
a young team that's learning as they go, lots of skill, lots of similarities to other young teams that have done it in the past. You know, we haven't fully seen uh, Elias Pettersson come alive in these playoffs. I think, I think there's another gear for Vancouver to get to. And I think you're going to see it now, especially in game five. Cause it's like, cause it is a series now it's best of three. Um, I, I think you're going to see kind of a turn uh, in Vancouver's play. Especially, I thought they looked like shit last night. They were not good. So, that's how I'm feeling. Uh, when Vancouver took game two, I liked their odds more. I think we said last podcast, we all wanted Vancouver, but it just wasn't something we were confident in going with. I think everyone ended up going with the blues. Maybe I said Vancouver, but we all know deep down. I thought like logically St. Louis, uh, but now I'm kind of shifting. Now I think Vancouver has got a legitimate shot at it. And I think I, I, I disagree. I think St. Louis does not win the series now. Really? All right. Yeah. I, th- I think, like I said, you know, young team, a lot of excitement, a lot of skill, crazy amount of skill that hasn't been tapped yet in the playoffs. And, you know, sometimes you need a little bit of, of a kick in the ass to, to wake up. Being up 2-0 and going down and losing the next two, that's a wake-up call. This isn't the regular season anymore. And uh, these kids are going to learn from it quickly. I, I, I think they're going to win the series. Okay. Yeah, I – I can I agree that I see it going either way, so, but so it would be an interesting, it's gonna be an interesting way thing to, to, to talk about to think about how, like, are they gonna, um, are they gonna play well enough to overcome, overcome that? And I don't know. We'll see. Um, but let's. Let's move on to the other series and to another series in the West Western Conference, and that's the Avalanche and the Phoenix Coyotes. <laughs> Based on last game, Arizona didn't look terrible, um, especially in games two and three. Uh, they looked like game a team. Four, that they might, did. Yeah, I was gonna say, but then it's time to order the autopsy. I think this thing wraps up tomorrow night. Colorado's offense woke up in a big fashion and, and solve Darcy Kemper. I mean, the only way that Colorado was going to lose this series is if Darcy Kemper stole a game or two and Arizona just outscored him the other times. But, um, you know, it's, I think it's, it's time to, if, if Arizona's Arizona might be good enough, like, um, I don't know. They I might be, they I, might be good enough to stave off elimination for one game, but uh, I, this will probably end tomorrow. I don't know. I look at Arizona. I don't even think they're as good as the Hawks. Uh, I, I don't know. You know, they, they went out, got Taylor Hall. And I, I was saying in the, when we were talking the qualifying rounds, Hey, mate, you know, this is, this is Arizona's chance to try and convince Taylor Hall this is a place he wants to be. And, and then they were they come in and they win against Nashville. 
and the team looks like it's it's kind of another team that doesn't have the sexiest core. They went and got Taylor Hall, which makes a big difference. But you know, you don't think you don't think success in Arizona uh, with the team they have in front of them. And it was another situation where it's like, you know, with the rest, uh, you get guys like Phil Kessel and and Stefan getting a lot of rest. These are going to be big pieces moving forward, forward. Taylor Hall coming into a training camp with this team. Maybe, maybe. Uh, Then they got so unlucky to match against Colorado. (laughs) And then it was a recipe for disaster to begin with. And where, speaking of Phil Kessel, where has he been? What has he been doing? Uh, not not much. Um, Even Taylor Hall, you know he's he's been a little a little better. But I, I hear those two names should be doing much better. You would think in the playoffs. Uh, hold on, I'm I'm going to the stats now. Okay, so Clayton Keller and Taylor Hall have six points in eight games each, but. I don't know that I don't think that's telling the whole story. Um, they're just not competing. In fact, in this series, Taylor Hall is two points in four games. That ain't cutting it. And Clayton Keller has two points. So those are your top two point producers in the playoffs. They each got two points in four games. Not good. But again, we knew coming into this, I thought that Colorado was going to be the first seed. We could have dodged even a, a, a more ugly bullet by getting by getting uh, Vegas, because I I see Colorado as the team, not just the team of the future. They're the team of the now. They're oh god, they're so good. They have so many good prospects coming. <laughs> it's disgusting, and they have money. So it's not like, oh, well, wait for a couple years, they're in trouble. No, they're not. No, they're not. They could be good for a long time. It's disgusting. Right. And they're in our division. Uh, Arizona match matches up poorly against Colorado. They might have actually, like Chicago, fared a little better against Vegas. Even though Chicago is getting stomped by Vegas, I just think it would have been uglier against Colorado. Um, Yeah, it, it's... It is exactly what expected. And that's seven to one. That wasn't surprising in the slightest. It is what it is. There isn't really much to say. Uh, they start the third period and McCarr just walks on down. Uh, makes Goligoski look like a bitch and then scores. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that... it was beautiful. It's exactly yeah. what I wanted. Colorado's a, a force to be reckoned with. For for sure, I think Colorado. I think it's time to. You can probably order the autopsy for Phoenix, and I don't know what they're gonna do. They don't. They just have an intern GM, interim GM, and uh, in former Blackhawk Steve Sullivan. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, he's it, it's. I don't know what with uh, what the Coyotes are gonna do, but like it's it's the point where I don't know. Um, like what their plans are, uh, for as beyond the season, as yeah, a franchise I, or as a as a team. As a team, I don't know what they're like. 
you know, John Chaka put this team in salary cap hell and then said <laughs> peace. So it's an interesting, it's because it's, you wouldn't think like the, you'd be talking about the Arizona Coyotes in salary cap hell, but that's a real possibility for them this year, unless they can make a, a deal or two. Um, before yeah. I get to the Hawks in Vegas, Caps let's move over to the yeah, we can do that. Let's do the, I mean, the that's, Capitals. That's Islanders. the elimination game tonight. Uh, I mean, by the time this is live, we'll we'll know the answer to this question. But so you can call us idiots in our. Uh, you can All call us ten of you listeners are going to call us idiots, and you know what? You're probably right. Um, but like, I think, I I don't I don't think the I think whatever mojo the Washington Capitals had is gone. They during the regular season that is it's not it's what, not here. What is going so, on? I so I, I picked think it's, them in the cup finals. Yeah, I I think uh, you're probably looking at an Islanders sweep tonight. To be honest with you, um, I, look, I I, I I can't say a sweep. I think Washington's got to win something, but boy. I mean, they're not winning the series, so what does it matter? No, and it's it's Barry Trotz's revenge. Um, so it's, but, but what does Barry Trotz have to revenge? This should have been the Caps' revenge on Barry Trotz. How dare you leave after a Stanley Cup? Right. And uh, no, they they rolled over. I, you know, we talked a lot uh, after the qualifying rounds. What's Pittsburgh gonna do? Is this the end of Pittsburgh? What's Washington gonna do if they if they fall apart in the first round to the New York Islanders again? Not a sexy roster. What do you do? I mean, that's uh, one thing that Capitals the Capitals do have like pretty much everybody signed in some cap space to to a little bit of cap space to maneuver. Um, with so like, it's yeah, not if, like if this team, to, if this team gets swept in the first round, is this the team you want to bring back? I mean, you could try to go get somebody that like somebody's a younger player that they're gonna look to give away, but like wow. you know, like they got that kid like, Michael McMahon or whatever is the Michael McSomething. Uh, yeah, and you got like good. you also don't have to yeah you know, don't forget that you know. This is all with Braden Holpe in that, and um, let's not act you know. like Braden Holpe's a bad goalie just because they've they've got their goalie of the future now coming in and Samsonov. Yeah, I think Samsonov probably that's probably the only person you'll subtract next year is Holpe. So um, you might add a piece or two, but I don't think you're going to s- subtract any major uh, youth. You think a team that gets swept in the first round by an underdog team doesn't make significant change with an aging be, core? I don't. Yeah, I, I mean, look at the Blackhawks. though, dude, they made sweeping changes and it hasn't worked out. So, well, they did. Um, but that, that's the problem. They didn't. They made the wrong sweeping changes. They traded away. They traded away Panarin. I don't they get traded it. Away, they, they traded, traded away, away a top four defenseman and a. And, and, and at least a 90 point a, a and the same player. day yeah but then they so, also they traded all their first round picks they traded away a good middle middle six center and Deneau. 
I mean, they made the wrong moves. If I'm the Capitals, I personally, if I if I'm a GM, which there's a good reason I'm not, um, man, you lose. You get swept by the New York Islanders. I look at some of these aging pieces and I look to move them. Uh, I think you need to do a quick refresh. You shouldn't be moving guys like Tom Wilson, Kuznetsov. You're not moving Ovechkin, Backstrom. But some of these secondary pieces got to go. And they got to start getting younger. And yeah, that's and the name of the game here. Been- Backstrom has been hurt, so I mean, for some of the series, so I mean, it's they they were and John Carlson seems he's playing, but I don't he was held out uh, of a couple of the round robin games. So it's <clears> curious <throat> if you see if he's dealing with an injury there that you know he's just playing through. But like you know, it's it's an interesting, uh, interest. It's going to be an interesting off season for everybody. Um, let alone just the Capitals, but like I think, it, it, I think you know you're gonna see, uh, you're gonna you're gonna see some changes by in Washington, um, and it'll be interesting to see like what is uh, like what those changes are. But um, I'd, I'd love to do uh, a second round preview special uh we you know like we did last time but we only had jameson maybe get a few more guys who are fans of other teams or or you know follow the nhl as a whole i'd love to hear what someone like jameson thinks the capitals are going to do i mean he came in here already saying the islanders were going to beat him i thought he was full of shit and uh boy he couldn't have been any more right right um so I'd, I'd love to get his, his post-series thoughts on that. Um, I wish I had a friend who was a, fran- a fan of Pittsburgh to just to hear what they think. Because, I mean, more even more has come out about them where they're definitely going to be moving a piece because they're not – they're trying to get, you know, they, know, they don't even want to hit the cap ceiling. So there's going to be some significant changes there. But, yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to talk to somebody who knows this team just a little more and what they think they're going to do. Cause we can look at the salary cap and they're in a good spot, at least going into next year, but they're in a good spot to bring the same team back. That's about to get swept in the first round. I, I think that's a recipe for disaster and boy, the NHL is probably not happy that a, a nice big market like Washington's going out to a team that could barely sell 60% of its seats. No one's watching that game. Yeah. You know, it'll, it'll be interesting. I think, you know, they'll have their hat to hang on because I think, uh, um, I think we've, we've said as much as we can about uh, the Capitals and the Islanders. I think, like, you know, I, I moving on to another series, Boston versus the Carolina Hurricanes. I think, you know, Boston's, you know, up until I thought it was a pretty even series. And then last game, I, it's, it's been all downhill since they lost. Since the Hurricanes lost Andre, uh, yeah, Svechnikov, and it's been downhill for them since he's gone out with an injury, and you know Boston did what they did yesterday without Pasternak. So you know if they get Pasternak before the series is over, like the series is over, like it's like I don't the Boston was down two nothing with. 
scored four goals in just a little bit under seven minutes. And in the same time, Cal- or the Carolina Hurricanes did not have a shot on goal until they scored with a minute <laughs> and a half to go. So <clears throat> that was just pure and utter domination. It'll be interesting to see how uh, Carolina rebounds tomorrow. Um, but if it's anything like uh, the third period of, of game four, the series is over in game five because um, Boston was just pure domination. Um, you know, and this has been a fun series. The game one mm-hmm. went to double overtime, um, you know, and all these games have been close. You know, Carolina, I thought maybe could capitalize on a really cold goaltender in uh, Halak because uh, Halak hadn't faced a shot in probably close to over a half hour. So it's when you include the intermissions. So, I mean, it's an interesting – I thought I thought it was, it, was a, it was a good way to for Carolina to maybe pounce on their terrible play for the first 18 minutes of the third period and kind of resurrect uh, some kind of a, a comeback against Boston. But it was just, excuse me, it was way too late, way too little too late. And it, it's just one of those things where I, it, I, I think I, I, based on that third period, I was watching it. It's over. The series is over. Like once you put that, that much of doubt in to a team, like the Boston Bruins did to Carolina, and this is all, you know, coming off the off the, the, off the backs of off the back of Tuka Rask opting out of the season. So it's it's crazy to think that Boston responded the way that they did, and it's a testament to actually that team and the will of that team to be like, you know, I think a lot of people are saying, well, Tuka Rask is opting out, so. This is by Carolina series now and quite the opposite, quite the opposite. I think if any team could, could come back from the deficit they're in right now, it's Carolina. Uh, God, that's, you know, it's, it's tough without Svechnikov because he, he is probably the most, I don't want to say the most threatening offensive player, but I mean, He's the future. He's the name you got to keep an eye on. If you don't cover Svechnikov, he could score from literally anywhere. We've seen him do the lacrosse move now twice. Um, but and I think it's all going to come down to to leadership. How how are guys like Jordan Stahl and Justin Williams going to go into that locker room and get these kids, uh, get these kids motivated again? Like you said, awful third period, but. The first 40 minutes weren't awful. How are you going to get this team to, to get, you know, to get back in the game? Um, boy, they dug themselves a hole, and I, I, I don't think they're going to beat Boston anymore. I, I just think, you know, we were talking about that with, with going down 2-0 with, with St. Louis in uh, Vancouver, and the, the odds of winning four out of five is, is tough in the playoffs. Uh, and Carolina kind of put themselves in that spot now where they have to win three in a row against a, a good team. But it's important to keep in mind that Boston lost all of their play-in rounds. They lost 
pretty handily. They 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 can be they can be beat. Um, you know, Halak's playing well, but he he is a backup goalie at this point in his career. Can he keep that up for Game Four, or not Game Four? Game uh, Game Five, Game Six, Game Seven. You know, if Carolina wins Game Five. It's going to put a little wind in their sails. You you now know you have a backup goalie going into fourth straight game. That's it's not easy. Um, so I think Carolina still has a chance. They dug a real deep hole. Um, I don't I don't think it's possible. But if one team with who who has a deficit right now, or in, in Vancouver's case, even in uh, St. Louis's case, had a pretty big de- uh, deficit. I think the team I like the most in, with those odds is Carolina, uh, but I don't think they're going to win. I just don't, yeah. I don't think they could beat Boston. No, at Boston, this point, at least. Yeah, Boston's on a really, really good team. And, you know, we mentioned Tuka Rask. Tuka Rask uh, opted out of the playoffs, uh, citing family. Uh, uh, do you want to be close to his family? Which he's got two young daughters and then a newborn uh, that was just uh, that was born in April, I believe. Um, which I, I, I know it is tough um, on, on on Tuka and his family. You know, there's there's other guys that are going through it in the NHL. I know Bo Horvat just uh, had had a kid too, um, but doesn't see i mean he's been playing really well um but like it's it's to each their own like i'm not going to disregard like di- totally disrespect somebody's somebody's decision uh to to leave and go be with their family because it is tough to be away from your family for for that long um you know it, it it's it's an interesting it's it, it's just it, it's it's interesting to me because there's there's I see both sides of the argument and uh, I tend to lean a little bit more towards uh well there's guys on your team that also have young daughters and everybody else who's who's making the same exact sacrifice that you are um, so I can see why some people and some fans would think that's slap in the face to those type to those guys you go to battle with every day and then you're like, and you, you go ahead and you ditch him. But I also see the, the side of the argument that said, you know, he wanted to go and, and give it, a, give it a shot with his teammates. And he did. And it just didn't work. Uh, and he just, he just couldn't do it. His mental focus wasn't there. So I see it from both sides. Um, just me being just my own personal opinion is I just think that it was probably, the the mental aspect of it is something that you probably should have thought about prior to entering the bubble um a little bit higher than he he did because if there's any inclination that you don't think um that you don't think you can do it i i would say you could you should probably have not have, have come in and played um i've seen people say that you know he'd have been ripped if he didn't play i'm like uh, the guys that that opted out i didn't see anybody ripping really them so uh, it was teach i think everybody understands it's to, to each their own um i think he's he's getting ripped more now than he would have been 
or would have gotten ripped for it had he opted out, you know, in the beginning of August. Um, I don't know what your opinions are, Andy, but those are those are mine. I don't think they're really that controversial. I uh, <laughs> I don't know where I stand. I was I was pretty harsh when the news first came out, but I mean that's to be expected. But then, so I'm going to preface everything I say by first saying I'm not a father. I do plan to be, but I uh, I don't have a kid, so I don't I don't know. Um, I've mellowed dramatically uh since hearing the news uh you know i wonder if he he did feel coerced to go and he didn't think he he should be there uh you look at the names who opted out and it's a bunch of who gives a shit if tuka rask opts out could that throw a wrench into the nhl to have a a star uh, a vesna caliber goalie saying i'm not going I don't know. So there's got there's more pressure on the stars in that instance where I don't know. I don't have those answers. Uh, and then, you know, I don't know what his family life is like. He's got three kids, a newborn. I mean, so we already know his wife just gave birth. She's more susceptible to, to, to getting COVID so it might be harder for her to to live with three children and and maintain that household knowing that she's at a greater risk and the newborn daughter's or yeah I think daughter is at risk there's just so much I don't know and then you know I I don't know I I have a hard time being as as like cuz when it first happened I'm my first thought was well you're in the bubble now. You, like, why didn't you think of this before? But the more I think about it, there's no way he didn't think about it before. And, and I think there's just a level of pressure that was put on him as a star in the NHL. I think the NHL had something to put some pressure on him as well. You know, we did hear uh, that, you know, some players were hesitant. He was probably one of them. And and let's not take away from the severity of what's happening in the world right now. I mean, he he's no, going I, to, I, he's I, going to battle with his team, but there's no better team. There's no more real team than your family. And you know, no, at I the totally, end of the day, this is just a game, and and his family might need him more than we know. No, uh, and I think like I think no, but dude, I think what what really put him in the doghouse and and screwed him over with the with the backlash that he had is that literally the day before he left where he said that these games don't feel like playoff games they feel like exhibition games and that said that they really don't mean anything so i think that when you say something like that and then the next day opt out of the season to a lot of people that's like well and i think this fuels a lot of it is that you can't say that and then opt out the next day and expect there to be expect no one in the world to say, well, you're just opting out because things aren't going well for you and you don't like the way the games are being played and you're throwing a hissy fit for that. And that's what I think. Perhaps, I think perhaps. that's, and I think that's, that's a lot of it. And I think that's, and to think, you know, that people don't know what he said the day before when they were like, well, what the hell, man? Like you couldn't think of this stuff beforehand. 
Um, so I, like I said, I see it from both sides and I, and I, I, in my personal opinion, it's just to each their own. Like if, if he wants to opt out, go ahead, opt out. But then again, you, but at the same time, you can't say what you said the day before and then not have, and not think that people are going to, are going to try to connect the dots and, and hit you with it. And that's just the, the way that it's just the, it's just the world you live in now. And, and I, it's the way things are, I suppose. But I also look at it like, you know, it, it, I don't see the team getting up about it. And maybe, maybe they're just doing a good job because they're in the playoffs and they got to focus, but it's just the thing where, you know, it irks the fans and he knows it. And quite honestly, He's in the same locker room with, with Marshawn. They don't give a shit. The, so, so the fans are irked. Whatever. If the team is happy and, and understands and, and they know they have a good backup goalie you could play, and they they you know it's what's best for his family. I I don't think he gives a shit about the fans in in that instance. And I I'm starting to lean towards maybe he does, shouldn't. I don't think it was the right move necessarily, especially, you know, keep your mouth shut. If you really feel that these playoffs are, are not what you expected or more likely don't come up with an excuse like that. Uh, if you're not comfortable, I mean, clearly he, there was a level of comfort that he was missing being away from his family. Uh, and that's probably more to do with them than himself. But don't don't say stupid shit to the media. I, I know a lot of people who aren't hockey players who who uh, kind of put their foot in their mouth and say shit that they they probably shouldn't on social media. Uh, when you're a pro athlete, multiply that by like a hundred. Like, watch what you fucking say. But yeah, uh, you know it's it's just such a weird time, and you know I I work from home, and and I and. I'm not forced to to live in this bubble away from my wife at a time where, you know, everyone else could stay home, but you have to entertain the world. And it's just, it's just so weird. I it's, it's up to the team, how they feel about it and not the fans in this instance, I think. And if the team is irked, then there's, there's gotta be some conversations from within and that's going to cause a rift in the locker room. Uh, but if the team understands as a fan, I think the, the mo what we should do is just shut the hell up and, and let the guy live his life. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where uh, what the, the backlash with him opting out when he did was inevitable. So like it wasn't, it's, you're not, there's zero shot. You're going to be able to avoid that. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I think it's but, it, what's going to, what's going to come to fruition when this is all going to come to a head based on how the team reacts. If the team is like, Hey, like we get it. He was having a hard time mentally. He needed to leave and we support that. Then the fans need to just shut up. But if they're like, right. Hey, we were as shocked as you. This was out of the blue. He didn't talk to anyone. I mean, th there's gotta be a level of respect to your team. Obviously, family always first. This is a game. Got it. Good. We're all on the same page. 
but there's got to be a level of respect for somebody else's time, somebody else's effort, somebody else's sacrifices. Uh, and if the team wasn't notified long in advance, like this wasn't an ongoing conversation, the struggles weren't made apparent. That's where the, that's when there's a problem. That's when as a fan, you could be a little outraged. It's like, well, this guy literally did shit on the team versus, Hey, the team's cool. They get it. It, it, It's just a weird time. And the guy just had a kid and his wife is raising three kids on her own, uh, more susceptible to COVID uh, with a, with an infant daughter. Like I, that's got it, but it's all about the team uh, and how they respond to it. Yeah. Uh, I've, I think we, I think that's pretty much on the same page. I think I think we were both yeah. initially a little more harsh when the uh, news yeah, came out. Yeah, I think out. we both kind of agree on it. Uh, it was on it. it was shocking as a fan yeah. of hockey, uh, especially with there being it being such a safe environment. But uh, right. there's just so 19, much going on. Nineteen thousand tests administered, zero positives thus far. So the bubble for the NHL is is working out really, really well. Um, working out for the NBA, too. Um, I don't watch the NBA, but... <laughs> it wasn't working at first, that's for sure. Perhaps they yeah. have herd immunity within the NBA. <laughs> so, right. Um, you know, let's move on to the another series, and that's the Tampa Bay Lightning versus the Columbus Blue Jackets. That first game, the... <laughs> uh, quintuple overtime the marathon uh, five over t game braden point winning winning on just uh uh a really good shot from the high slot and that finally beat uh corpusala corpusala setting a nhl playoff record <laughs> um you know when I saw that puck go in on Corpusala, I'm like, that guy did not deserve that. He deserved to win this to win this game, but but the team I, didn't. But I, I just think you know, you look at that that overtime and like whoever won, that would have been had Tampa Bay lost that overtime and how well they actually played. That would have been crushing. I'm to, glad you glad you said that because. Uh, I'm not a firm believer that big momentum changes, switches, uh, could win you full series. It's it's a grind. It's a long haul. So, you know, I always, you know, that's still just one game. It's one to nothing. It's not like you're down 3-0. It's not like you're down 2-0. Um, and, and I believe, like, a team could, could recover from a lot of things. Like I said, I think Carolina has a shot. Uh, St. Louis clearly has a shot. I, I just, you know, odds and everything. But I felt the winner of that game, without a shred of doubt, is going to win the series. And, I mean, that was like three games in its own. And and losing that, no matter which team you are, is a crushing blow. It's just, on one end, it's your goalie puts up the performance of a lifetime and you can't win it for him. And on the other end, it's you put 80 plus shots on a guy and you couldn't win. The loser right. of that game loses the series. 
Yeah. Uh, Columbus won the next day because uh, they had um, – or the next game, but then it's in all Tampa sense. Columbus, if you look at what they had to do to get there and how many overtimes they played in their qualifying round, I, I think this it's, it's starting to catch up to them. Because keep in mind, Columbus didn't just have to play uh, – they didn't have to just play – a you know just the overtimes in in this series against uh toronto against toronto they uh game four went to overtime game three went to overtime um so it's one of those things where and that that was one of the few series that also went to went the distance to five games so you're playing a lot of hockey I know they're just off for four and a half months, and I think that's what contri- the the time off. Um, it helps some and hurts others. Yeah, it it helps. That's why I think the overtime was so good. To be honest, the five overtime game was so good because a lot of these guys hadn't been playing a lot of hockey previous to the five overtime game. But you know, game three was real close. Is three to two final. Um, and, and game four was close as well. Um, you know, it's, I think lightning will probably get the revenge and, um, and, and win this series. If they don't, I think that's another team that we, that you have to do, you know, the capitals, we just, just exactly the same thing we just discussed with the capitals is that, you yeah, what changes do you make at this point? Cause you gotta do you, something. You can't bring that team back if they lose in the first round. If Tampa loses, I think if if Tampa loses in the second round, I don't think you can bring the same team back. To be honest, I think um, you do because, need to make at least one major change if if they lose in the first round. I agree. Um, yeah, it's I I like I said. Could you imagine losing that five overtime game if you're Tampa? You just you just got swept by this team last year as the you were the Presidents Trophy winners. First game back goes into five overtimes and you lose a fifth in a row in the playoffs to the Columbus Blue Jackets, a team that on paper is vastly inferior to you. And then if all things play out the same way, they would have lost game six as well, the sixth game right. in a row to Columbus. So it's like, what do you got to do? Um, but that's not the way it goes. And Tampa, oh, mate, it does the heart well. I am a, I am a big a fan of Tampa, and they're probably moving on. I don't want to say they are because I've seen them lose four in a row to Columbus before. They could lose three again in a row. Right, and I think, you know, by the time you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> they start. it starts at 11 a.m. tomorrow. Uh, so by the time you're listening to this podcast, Depending um, on when Tony gets it up, I, you're you're probably gonna say say that the series might be over or might be heading to a game six. So, um, for I'm always a fan of game sevens. So, uh, for my own selfish reasons, I I would love to see see it go seven. Um, Do you think but, any series goes seven if you're a batting man? No, I got, I got two. I can see Boston, Carolina going that way, and then Vancouver and St. Louis. Those are probably your two that you're thinking of, right? I'm thinking no? Calgary, Dallas uh, has a good chance. 
Uh, I said I think the winner tonight uh, ends it, but I mean, that's probably a good chance. Uh, I think St. Louis and Vancouver will. Um, I, I I think, you know, I think Vancouver wins it. I think they win two before St. Louis does. I think they're going to come back tomorrow with a, a win. Uh, but I, you know, I don't think they're going to win two in a row. I think it's going to be a seven game series. Right. Uh, Dallas and Calgary are now heading into the second intermission tied at one. So, um, so not uh, much has changed in the hour we've been recording. (laughs) No, not at all. And the last series that we have to talk about is the, or not second to last series. We haven't gotten to the Hawks yet. Um, but we, Montreal. that is the Montreal Philadelphia. I think that series is pretty much Done. over. Uh, yeah. It, it's all on Connor uh, Carter Hart. So uh, he, he, he played really well. Today. He's put out, he's yeah. only let in five goals in the series. Uh, that's pretty damn good. Um, so, I mean, at the beginning of this, we, we covered a, a series I didn't watch much of in, in Dallas, Calgary. This is the other one I, I chose not to watch much of because I don't care about Montreal. I, they, they're they not a good team. So they, they beat Pittsburgh because I, I think Pittsburgh might have thought going into it they had already won. I think that plays a big role into that. Um, yeah, I just... Nothing excites me about Montreal, and if I got to pick and choose, because uh, I because I got those, you know, I I am working a lot, uh, and I just can't watch all of them. So I chose not to watch too much Philly Montreal, and uh, yeah, Philly. I still say Philly's going to win the series. Uh, I hope they get a, a more exciting matchup in round two. Although there's a good probability it's going to be the Islanders. Woo. Right. <laughs> yeah. Woo. Yeah. yeah, it'll, it'll be because this year's, I, 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 I really hope the NHL goes back to uh, the reseeding after every round and, and goes back to the one, one V eight format. I don't like the idea of having two central teams, which is, or whatever the better division is. Um, but usually central. <laughs> usually central. The top five teams that division, I don't like one of them upsetting, you know, a Colorado or a, uh, or a St. Louis or, you know what I mean? Like, I don't like the, the number one seeds getting upset or not really upset, but getting eliminated and then, you know, it creates these matchups that just aren't like as spicy, I guess, because they're the two teams that were good the entire year. Uh, like Boston Carolina is a perfect example of that where, you know, like they would, they could have been playing each other early in the first round. And it's like, well, it kind of sucks that they're going to get eliminated. Like one of these two teams is going to get eliminated because they're both so good and it's a really it'd be awesome to see one both those teams meet you know the conference finals but um i don't Uh, know it's i i think it's fine 
Uh, I would prefer, I would also prefer though, uh, eight teams in and the only teams that are guaranteed spots are like the first uh, in each division. So they're automatically one and two. And then you seed three through eight as through the conference. Um, but, you know, you, you got to play every team. And if Boston and Carolina match up in the first round, oh, well. <clears throat> and really an upset isn't that big of a deal. Like if a team, I mean, LA Kings were the eighth seed when they won the cup in 2012. Uh, boy, that I mean, that that didn't turn into bad hockey. I think no. I think it's just, you know, I don't care if you're good in the regular season. You that only all that does is buy you a favorable matchup. Doesn't guarantee you a win. If you lose, you it's on you. True. True. Uh, Am I boring you? Sorry. No. Sorry. Um. Yeah, I think we both agree that Montreal is pretty much done, and Philly's gonna advance that series. <clears throat> Um, yeah, I, so I, I don't think it's even close. I think Philly is, you know, you, I, I don't, I wasn't thinking of Philly as this, this powerhouse of a team, but then the more you hear about, the more you see, they got a, y- a lot of young kids coming. Uh, there's, there's a chance that's going to be the, ex- one of the more exciting teams in the East you'd, th- you'd expect a team like Buffalo to get their head out of their ass with all their kids and figure it out. But uh, no, I don't know. I th- I think Philly's going to be a, a real exciting team uh, very soon. And uh, there's still some kids who aren't playing right now, who like, like uh, Frost, who could come, on, come into this team next year and add another uh, exciting element that they, they don't even have this year. So it's a team to watch, team to keep an eye on, and uh, – yeah, I think they're going to do pretty well in these playoffs. Yeah, I I agree. Let's let's move on um, to close out this podcast. Let's move on to the, to the, the irrelevant conversation because the, the first fifteen minutes of this is going to be us discussing the the game <laughs> game five. But let's let's recap since we are a Hawks Central podcast. Let's start off with with. Uh, with game one of ding of the ding of the Black that's Hawks. all I hear. That's another they post just, ding. Yeah, fourteen posts this off season for the Blackhawks. I don't know how many that's in. How many of those are in the Edmonton series? But in this series, I counted nine going into game four. So I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's if. Kaner hits that wide open net in in game three uh, that he had instead of hitting the post is you know it, it, the puck's just not going in for for Patrick Kaner now still collecting crazy amounts of points uh, setting up the setting up almost every Blackhawks goal but like it's but it, it's one of those things where I think he needs to if or once he starts to find the back of the net. Maybe the floodgates start to open for the other guys because our stars this series, outside of Patrick Kane, have been quiet. And if our if we can get the guys who need to be scoring the goals going, 
and pot a couple. Um, you know, it, it hopefully that happens tonight and they can extend it to a sixth game. Mm-hmm. Um, if it doesn't happen tonight, where the Hawks big guns can that don't, if they don't get moving, it's not going to happen tonight. And the Hawk and we're talking. You've already heard us talk about the Blackhawks getting eliminated. Um, but like right. game one, I thought they played. They they held with them for the first two periods, and then the third period they had a terrible first ten minutes, and then it was over. I mean, you could um, say the same thing. You don't even have to talk about game two because it's the same damn narrative. Good two periods, fall apart in the third. Uh, yeah, game two is the <laughs> overtime game. Um, yeah, but they. They were Vegas was vastly the better team in game two, uh, third third period in overtime. They yes, went in sixteen Hawks, shots on goal in the third. Yeah, the Hawks the Hawks were solid hanging with them. Sometimes the better team in the first two periods, and uh, yeah, games one and two the the third period and in game two the overtime they were awful. They were awful, uh, but game three they were. The better team, I would say, the entire game. I think they got robbed. Um, two post in that game for sure. I think there was two, in, there three in game two and four in game one, something like that, is what I counted. Mm-hmm. The two posts in game two, a uh, lot of zone time, a lot of control of the puck. Um, just couldn't get one by Flurry. Uh, I think the D blocked a lot of shots in that game too for Vegas. I think it was a, a good defensive team win, uh, but that's okay because the Hawks look like shit in Game Four and stole that one thanks to Corey Crawford. <laughs> yeah, uh, that game. The only reason we're still talking about the Blackhawks is because of Corey Crawford um, and the way Corey Crawford played. It's so weird though, because if you're watching Corey Crawford, he doesn't look right. He's dropping pucks. He's kicking bad rebounds. But his his post to post movement is 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 keeping the puck out of the net. He's making a lot of good desperation saves. He's he's looking unorthodox, but it's it's working? Question mark. It did the last two games. Yeah, I think a lot of the reason why it's working is just because he's he's been a guy who's uh uh he he missed that the, the two weeks of training camp. He missed those. I mean, if we got this for, we're starting to see glimpse and of. Uh, I mean, the way Corey Crawford played, you could argue that Corey Crawford is 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 back. I guess, but like, uh, still looks a little off and awkward on a couple of these saves. And he's I don't think he probably dropping pucks with the glove a lot. If you if you're watching it, it looks like he's got he's absorbed it and it like trickles out. The he's he's just not holding on to the puck as well. There's some there's some juicy rebounds he's kicking out. Um, but I mean, it, it, we're not look. I we could I won't call that nitpicking. That's got to be figured out if the Hawks want to win. But the Hawks aren't here without Corey Crawford. Like game four, he stole the show game three. The Hawks were the better team, but he stood on his head for some, some nice saves. Uh, game two, he had 16 shots in the, the third period alone. Like as unorthodox as it looks, it's working. I think, and I think that's just because he's, he's transformed his game 
Uh, he used to have real bad rebound control. That was like my big point against him uh, during like 2011-2012. But I think he he changed his game to be a little more athletic. He's a little more aggressive in his crease. Uh, And I think that's what's helping him while he's kind of getting the feel back. Uh, And also, I mean, let's not forget he had COVID. um, Right. And we don't know as humans how that impacts your body beyond having it um he could still be just having some problems like he he was talking about uh you know his lung strength i don't know how severe he had it talking about lung strength some people don't even know they have it so right we don't we don't know what he's going through he didn't have a training camp he he probably uh, wasn't when he found out he had had COVID wasn't, you know, there was some nerves probably. So his, his mental, you know, we don't know where he is mentally, um, but he still came in there game four and I mean, made 46 saves. That's right. unbelievable. And that doesn't count for, you know, the puck hit him 46 times. If the puck's missing the net or, or players are blocking shots, he's still, I mean, he's a highly alert. He's moving. It's exhausting. So, I mean, more power to the guy. Uh, the the rebounds and shit. If if the Hawks keep moving on, that's gonna figure itself out. He he's just got to get that rhythm back, and it's harder for a goalie. But his athleticism has proven to be right back where he left off at this point. Right, and you know, I think. It, it, for the Hawks, if they're if they're to move on, and again, this is all you might have heard us say. All the stuff we say now is relevant, but like, <laughs> if for the Hawks to move on, like you know, they need. I, I there's the I, I've seen too many times, too many players, where like on on two on ones where the pass isn't there, the and defenseman is done, and they force it. And I've seen Kirby Doc do that. I've seen Alex DeBrinket do that. I've seen Dylan Strom do that. The, the only people that I haven't seen do that with any kind of consistency, like Matthew Highmore scored the game winner, just throwing <laughs> the just throwing the puck on that. And smart move. Smart and move. It, it was smart. It was smart. It was just, I'm going to try to bank it off and get it through Leonard, and it worked. And Leonard can be, and that's the one that I know he suffers from a mental disability and that sucks, but in a playoff series, you know, getting in a goalie's head and, 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 and playing with it a little bit that, that, that could, maybe that comes out and works in the Hawks favor. Gold Knights have said they are, uh, coach Peter DeBoer said earlier today that he does not you'll find out who's starting for the golden Knights when whoever, whatever the goalie who leads out, leads them out. And the body language that I saw on Leonard's on Leonard, when he was sitting, I know you could tell he did not want to lose the Blackhawks. He did not want to lose to them. And here's um, what I'll say to that though, is, you know, he, he played well after that. Um, I don't think that's going to be in his head. And I think he's going to start today. That's my guess. I, 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 yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, you know, the big guns got to get moving. Like Olimata, again, another guy who's got a ridiculous amount of goals that you would. What's he got? Three or four now? 
Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> it, it's sure. gonna help. It's gonna help. He's got three goals. I mean, it's gonna. Sure. Help. Holy mod. It's, it's gonna help him when he has to negotiate a contract this off season. But like, you mean when Hawks we are, buy him out because oh. we don't want him? I mean, you might. The way he's played, dude, he's got six points in eight games. You don't. So keep him. I mean, I, th- I think the Hawks won't don't keep him, but. I mean the six the six points, and that's in the in you know he wasn't terrible this off this this season. He was was even on. He's terrible this season. He's been good um, in the playoffs. (laughs) But I mean, for a team that's looking at it, at you know, maybe another change of scenery will do will do him good. Like I don't know, maybe we. There's a there's a straight up trade for somebody like that. Um, I I think if the Hawks by some miracle, uh, so let me back up. We both agree the Hawks are probably going to lose this series, right? Yeah, I don't see them winning it in seven. I don't think we the defense <clears throat> always ends up per- prevailing in yeah. in the postseason, and yeah. you know I, I see too many like I, I've liked what I've seen in flashes out of Slater Cuckoo and Alimata for that matter. But like it, they're, they're all of them are just not outside of Duncan Keith. All of them are not uh, consistent enough. And And let's not even get into defensive forwards outside of Taves. I mean, we have lines of players who who are average at best in their own zone. (laughs) Right. And I think like, you know, that's gotta be a, a, a look at, for, you know, and one of the things that the Hawks is we've had lines were who are terrible in their own zone, and Frank H. Strom before, <laughs> and like well, like we've had lines that are terrible in their own zone, and have still won cups because we've had we could you didn't it wasn't it wasn't all four lines were average or below average, like we could like Joel Quinville in the 2013 and 2015 cup runs. Was able to throw out Marcus Kruger, uh, Dave Boland, Desjardins, and Dave Boland, and he's Taves able to throw Hosa. those. And Taves and Hosa, he's able to throw those lines out there, who were were really good in the defensive zone. And now that that's not an option for Jamie Colleton, that kind of puts Jamie Colleton at a disadvantage because you can only have Jonathan Taves take so many face-offs in a game like it's not like you got you got david camp as an option but then you don't want that's not a guy you want on the ice for 15 minutes a game because he needs to be out there as a secondary option for defensive zone draws i mean he he's good in his own zone but that's about it you i don't know i i I agree there's just there's not enough defensive forwards the d are okay at best duncan keith i mean I see online people shitting on him still. I'm like, what game are you fucking watching? <laughs> he has been probably one of the better players on the Hawks this postseason, and I will fight anyone who disagrees with it because they're wrong. They're wrong. No, and it, it's, 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 it's wrong. <laughs> when, like, he's looked better. He looks, he looked really good, but, like, he's looked even better when his defensive partner has been Calvin DeHaan, and I think that's – because Duncan Keith is more of an offensive guy and Calvin DeHaan's more defensive. Mind yeah. I mean, Duncan Keith's good all around, but yeah, he's yeah, definitely... Duncan Keith's an everything guy, but he's 
he's 37. You can't expect him to to cover both sides when Boquist gets caught up. You know, a three, yeah, a three and, on one is tough no matter how good of a defenseman you are. It's it, you're right. You are outmanned by two people. <laughs> yeah, 20, 20, 28, 29 year old Duncan Keith, you know, during the uh, the 2010 Cup run, like would be able to pretty well manage a, a three on one with this speed, but like, but even then, like it, it's a three on one. The Hawks didn't give up three on ones in 2010. Yeah, um, but like to be fair to Boquist, I don't think he's been that bad. Like he he gets sad. No. I, I don't that's the right choice necessarily he's a kid and he's learning and i I think he's been all right i like lucas carlson i think he's also got got a future with this team um and i i'm happy they they threw him in instead of someone like sealer i'd be like i'd lose my fucking mind if they threw sealer in so if you're gonna bench boquist playing carlson is, is a good choice um but yeah I I just I just hate when it's been he's had such a good playoffs Keith and I I hate when it's like some some ass hat comes in here and, and talks about you know how bad Duncan Keith is and I I look at the player first off I look at the person probably never played hockey and if it's somebody I know right. who played hockey I'm like oh, okay buddy <laughs> I remember when you played <laughs> you right, don't got like- you don't got no room to talk there. As a defensive-minded yeah. defenseman, I mean, in my when I was had any sort of talent within the sport, I you know I I, I could recognize a good defenseman, and he's he's still a top pairing guy on at least half of the teams. He's a top four on every team. Uh, he's a number one on some teams. He's a number one on this team. I I should he be maybe in these playoffs? He's been unbelievable, but you know that's with a five month break. I think he has been one of the players who took advantage of that opportunity. Um, but yeah, that's my Duncan Keith rant. He's still a good yeah. defense. So shut up. <laughs> yeah. I, I agree with that sentiment. Cause like, you know, I'm looking at his ice time from the last game. Keith had 24 minutes on of ice time. Uh, he led the Blackhawks. The second player that had the most ice time was Patrick Kane at 23 minutes. That's um, forward. <laughs> and I mean, I, you're going to see it again tonight. Kaner's probably going to play 23, 24 minutes. And it's because you got to get your offensive looks. Kane had no points. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where I think for this off season and for like this, I, I was against scratching Bolquist because I'm like this, every game, that we play, even if it's just four games in, the, in this first round, Blackhawk fans, we all want the Blackhawks to win the Stanley Cup. Do we all think the Blackhawks are going to win the Stanley Cup? Not a Fuck single person no. should. <laughs> Not a single person. Not a single person does. But we're all looking just to maybe stave off and play in a, a sixth game. That's if honestly we, what I'm hoping for. If we if we go to six games against uh uh against the the Vegas Golden Knights. This is invaluable experience for guys like Connor Murphy, Adam Boquist. They got they understand now the Brinkett, uh Kajula. played in the playoffs, so but like Strom, but, but who I think three years 
and he's still yeah. pretty young. He's 25. I know. And it's like, but David Kampf, um, Kirby Doc. Okay, we haven't talked about Kirby Doc. How how about him coming coming into his own in these playoffs? Oh, he looks great. It's just, and he's 19. Like this yeah, kid's gonna look so good. Made, he's clearly making rookie mistakes. He still gets pushed around a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. I I've heard it all. Uh, he looks like a guy who who could take Taves's role in a few years. Be that sixty point way guy, right? Like he's nineteen. He, looks good. he, he looks good. He's nineteen. He's got six points, and in, in these playoffs so far in the eight games, um, you know, and look, the, he, he's matching up against the team that's going to manhandle him. He's he's yeah. still young. He's still smaller, uh, and, and you know, Vegas, Vegas is an older team. Is older, stronger. Um, he's not the guy you're looking at in this series to be the big difference maker. You're looking for some of our vets to come in and, and lead the way. Uh, and like we said, outside of Patrick Kane, who, you know, if, if no one is, is putting the puck in the net when he dishes it to him, it's, it doesn't matter. I mean, he, he's clearly having a hard time putting the puck in the net himself, but he's given some apps two one timers to debrink it in the same power play and it doesn't get buried. I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't think Kane has looked bad is what I'm trying no, to say. I, no, I, I think, but Kirby Kane's, doc. So good. <laughs> Kirby docs looks, looks really good. And I, you know, and this is just knowing who Patrick Kane is and how he celebrates after goals and stuff like that. People were like saying, you know, Kaner looks a little off and I'm like, I think Kane uses that the roar of the crowd and that emotion to get him going most nights, and or better than most other not get to get him going. He uses that, especially now in his career, That's better than talk. most players in the NHL. And you know, he's still. I think I, I don't. I'm going to his page right now to see how many points the, the guy's got. He's at eight. He's at a point a game, and he doesn't look 100% like himself at times. But I think that's just because, you know, again, getting back to Tuka Rask, um, you know, he said there's lulls in the time where, you know, there's there's no crowd noise, and it's and it's and it's weird being out there. And I'm like, you know, that that probably does affect players more than you probably would think. As I think that's going to become less and less relevant as the stakes get higher and higher in these playoffs. Yeah, and, so I only and think honestly, hockey's going to get better. It's but the, it's th- dependent on the player. A guy like Kane plays to the crowd. Like I, I, I played in some games with some decent sized crowds. I don't even know they're there. Like I just, it's, it's not a thing. And I think some of those, some guys are like that. Um, Kane probably isn't one of them, though. No, I think he... He he relishes. Yeah, he relishes it. He relishes when he gets booed, too. So, I mean, uh, on the road. So, you know, I think he's... He's he's really good in that sense of of, uh, using that crowd. And, you know, especially when he's at the United Center and he celebrates and he staring up into the stands uh, as he sullies. But, like, you know, I think the experience between for this is is invaluable. Like, I 
the defensive core that's probably going to get brought back. I, 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 I it's probably just going to be Dehan, Boquist, Murphy, and Keith, and then you'll probably fill it with one of these guys. I'm probably going to assume um, Ian Mitchell and uh, a, a variety of other guys. Then we'll probably fill out the six seventh. Uh, you might see Cuckoo back filling out that six and seven role. Uh, it's Brent Seabrook. If since Brent Seabrook is in 10th on playing next year. Um, but you know, it's one of those things where, you know, there's one thing, one last thing that I personally wanted to talk about real quick before we, before we, we get out, go on our way here. Um, yeah. is just that there are some players that definitely, they they should want to to burn the tapes of of these playoffs and for the Blackhawks and there's two guys that come to mind when I think of that the defensemen you know a lot of the our guys are still younger uh, on our defense and so I think it's it's Nylander and, but I think Alex Nylander and Dylan Strom for their prospective contract negotiations. Nylander, maybe if the Hawks get in next year, can can rejuvenate himself. But if the way Dylan Strom has has played this this offseason, um, he's got two goals, woohoo! But he's a minus three, and you know he was at one point um, at, for one game. I think he was like against Edmonton. He was like a minus three or something like that, something ridiculous, and. Um, where I just don't, I don't see how, how it, how he, he, he gets the contract that he, he wants. Yeah. The game, game two against Edmonton, he was minus four. So it's those games where he's been better since not great, but when you're minus four, it, 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 the, the sky's the ceiling um there so like um i don't think he's uh he's necessarily uh look i get that vegas is deep and i get that they're defensively sound team that it's a five-man unit moving up and down the ice but you're not getting the toughest matchups if you're dylan strom they're they're keying in on the the taves line they're keying in on the dock line uh you're really you should have more opportunities if you're Dylan Strom. And it's it's not the points that worry me because, you know, I see I see Debrinkit with 13 shots in, in two games. Like, okay, he's getting opportunities at least uh, where he wasn't earlier. I, I don't see Strom at all. Like, it, it, he's almost not there. And for a guy who's not sound defensively and who who is supposed to be kind of a secondary offensive threat, that's – not good uh and obviously we know we know the the times and tribulations of of alex nylander's uh tenure with the hawks uh i'm sorry i said times i meant trials it's been a long day the trials and tribulations of alex nylander and it's it has been a a a tumultuous i guess would be a good way to describe his time with the Hawks it has been I don't know I mean in March he looked like he was starting to put it all together and be a a decent two two two-way guy I mean he was never going to be what he was marketed as 
and then these and then the, the training camp he he was looking sound and then he comes into these playoffs you think he'd have some sort of confidence and momentum not the case looks terrible yeah also he... also if you're not going to play the guy and you think he's a liability in these playoffs, and you're coming into a do-or-die situation, why suit him up? You already know you got some hungry guys who are on the the cusp of breaking into the NHL and are, quite honestly, NHL players in, in Dylan Secura, and I'd, I'd throw Hagel into that, uh, especially Hagel for a third-line role where you, I mean, he's the Andrew Shaw that you went to get that you had in the system the whole damn time. Like, right. I, I, if you're not going to play the guy, look at the other options. You brought 31 skaters with the intent of at least using, uh, uh, 31 skaters with the intent of using probably 25, 26, and we're not doing it. Other teams are doing it. I see other decent named players coming in and out of the lineup to make sure they, they get some guys in who are younger. Uh, so some of the vets could rest or in Alex Nylander's case, he looks like dog shit. So right. uh, it just, I think, I think there's a bit of out coaching going on here. Like I'm going to put out what on paper would be the best lineup when you got some guys who are hungry, who are untested, who are unknown to the other team. I mean, these are opportunities that if you're the Hawks, you're down 3-1. You're not going to win. Or you shouldn't win if you you could try some things and who knows what happens. I mean, I'm not hedging my bets on them winning, but three other teams have found, four other teams have found ways to come back from 3-0. So, I mean, what do you got to lose? Right. And, you know, it's... Uh, again, like you know, some of these guys that are that we've talked about too, who are, I think this the the playoff experience would be invaluable to them. And, I mean, Dylan Sakura and, and Brandon Hagel, great, great. So people are pushing for Kirishev to crack the lineup. Why not? It you might give to lose. A it might give Kane an additional player to look at. And it's like, and you're, and you're not. You weren't even expected to be here. And you went down 3 nothing to a team that nobody even gave you a shot to beat at all. So, um, you know, who knows what the, what, what, what tonight holds. But, you know, I'm just praying that we can get another game experience out of these guys and push to a game six. Um, yeah, I mean, at this point, if you're the Hawks, you're not thinking beating Vegas. You're thinking game at a time. And uh, you never know what could happen. You never know. Uh, but you got to go game at a time. You can't lose another game. You can't lose tonight's game. There is no game six or seven. You can't lose tonight. Yeah. That's how you got to look at it. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I totally agree. So let's. Let's uh let's wrap it up there because at this point we're probably going to be at least an hour and forty five minute long podcast. So because yeah, uh, we have the, the thing before. <laughs> so we we've taken up too much of your time for for this for this round. Uh, we hope you'll tune in to to next week's episode, um, which will next week. 
it might be sooner if we do a, a round two thing. Yeah, look out. Yeah, I, that's I agree. We should do a round two thing. So let, look, be on the lookout for whenever the day off of the day in between the rounds, because uh, I know there's a round in between each round. There's a scheduled day off. So whenever that is, um, be on the lookout for the podcast that will drop that day or the day after uh, for our round two preview. Uh, we appreciate you listening uh, to this to this podcast. Uh, Andy, do you have any last uh, final words? Uh, follow our socials. Uh, more so GM Hockey Podcast, but you can follow me on Instagram. And I don't know, to, Tony talks on social media more than me, so follow all of his. Yeah, so yeah, just give a give our uh... – our Twitter uh, a follow. Um, we're definitely more active on that now than we were before. So uh, <laughs> we appreciate. Uh, so we appreciate you you giving us all a follow there. Uh, we appreciate your time, and we'll see. Uh, we'll we'll we won't see Probably you. In a few we'll, talk, days. <laughs> we'll talk to you in a few days.